Welcome to Health Matters at Sargent College. The mission of Sargent College is to advance, preserve, disseminate, and apply knowledge in the health and rehabilitation sciences. BU's Sargent College strives to create an environment that fosters critical and innovative thinking to best serve the healthcare needs of society. Each episode of Health Matters at Sargent College will include faculty, students, or alumni who will share their knowledge with you. I'm Karen Jacobs, the Associate Dean of Digital Learning and Innovation at Sargent College, and I'll be your moderator for each episode. Welcome to this episode of Health Matters at BU Sargent College. It is with great pleasure that um, my guest today on this episode is Tomiko. Tomiko, can you share um, some background? And we're going to talk about entrepreneurship. And you were a born entrepreneur. So <laughs> we'll talk about that after you tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay, well, I've been an OT since 2001. I graduated from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And two years after graduating, I started a business, Therapeutic Solutions of North Carolina. I started it based on a needs assessment that I had done in OT school. Uh, the last year, I knew there was a need to serve people with developmental disabilities who were aging and started off consulting with group homes and it grew pretty quickly. Uh, later added contracts with the government, working with the state in areas that were rural, where they were having a really hard time recruiting OTs. And then um, years later in 2012, I added low vision services um, after realizing that there was an overlap between mental health and uh, low vision. I actually had a client who um, was misdiagnosed with uh, psychosis because she mixed up her meds because she had diabetes retinopathy. And um, since then I've added several other aspects of the business. The low vision part is now a separate entity, low vision rehab solutions. Also consult with therapists who are um, interested in starting businesses, but they don't really know how to start or they don't know how to grow or sustain their business. So I do that through facing consulting. Also have a podcast, uh, Therapy Entrepreneurs and Leaders of Color, where I interview uh, therapy entrepreneurs and leaders of color once a month and showcase their stories and try to inspire other therapists who uh, aspire to be entrepreneurs and leaders. And I also work with the university in helping to bring in underrepresented uh, groups. Um, and now I'm also a student in the OTD program at BU and working on, on a curriculum to uh, in entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship, to help bring occupational justice and um, and business skill set together for occupational therapists who want to create successful and sustainable social enterprises. Well, you've accomplished so much in a short time in in, in your career, um, but I want to actually go back in time. Um, we informally were talking and you said to me, you were a born entrepreneur and I can relate to that as well, but can you go back in time? You know, tell us about that little girl um, who um, wanted to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, so I, I actually started becoming, I became an entrepreneur when I was in middle school and it was really from poverty. 
And so people have asked me many times, you know, oh, were your, you know, your parents an entrepreneur? And I would say, yes, my grandma in a way was an entrepreneur because she cleaned houses and she had to clean it with excellence and she had to maintain relationships with people um, to continue to, to have work. But there was not money in the household. And I was reminded often that we don't have a lot of money to do the things that we needed and wanted to do. Um, we were on public assistance and uh, it was challenging. And one day someone came up to me, it was actually assistant principal. And she said, you're doing really well on your achievement test. You're in the top 1%. And if you keep, you know, if you work hard in school, you can be rich. And all I heard was you can be rich <laughs> because we were so poor. And I immediately, uh, I'm sure she was talking about in the future, but I immediately thought about what can I do right now? And I knew I was doing well in school. So I started marketing myself as a um, babysitter who could also tutor math, which was an area that I knew a lot of students struggle with. And um, I um, had my first kid that I was babysitting and I was able to make enough money that it matched what we were getting in public assistance. And um, so that from then on, I knew that I had a skill to be able to market myself and people would pay me for, for what value I could bring to them. That's wonderful. And, and we, we do have something in common in um, being a young entrepreneur. Um, I did babysitting at a very young age as well. And it was a really great way of developing skills and learning how to, um, develop money management skills as well, and communication skills, which are all important and essential for being a successful entrepreneur. I agree. So can you tell us a little bit more about social entrepreneurship and some of the interest that you've had um, in some of the businesses that you've already created, but what you're developing now and your motivation uh, to encourage others to be entrepreneur. So I define social entrepreneurship as entrepreneurship that's focused on having a social impact. And I mean, occupational therapists, I think inherently are focused on having a social um, impact, but we also want it to be profitable so it's sustainable. And what I found in my consulting is that we, that the therapists that I work with, they. They have the heart for social justice, occupational justice, and helping people, but they don't necessarily have the business skill set to make it profitable and sustainable. And so, um, because I've been able to do that with, you know, low vision rehab, with um, working with people with developmental disabilities in the community, working with people with mental health diagnoses, and learning how to build insurance to do that, I am committed to helping other therapists to be able to do the same. I think occupational therapy can be in so many um, other settings, um, but the skill set and the tools that they need to learn how to be successful in those settings, I think is an area that um, we, we need more knowledge, we need more evidence, we need more uh, educational opportunities specific to those areas, which is why my, my uh, capstone focuses on bringing those two together. So your project at BU, what are you hoping um, will be accomplished with, with that? Maybe give us a little bit more detail and some of the topics that are covered as well. I think will be really interested, interesting for our listeners. 
So that has evolved. When I first started the capstone, I thought that I would just have this one course on entrepreneurship and now it's evolved to a uh, certificate in social entrepreneurship. And it'll, it'll include courses that are, go along a continuum, starting off with um, having OTs to understand the relationship between occupational justice and social enterprises, because social enterprises historically have been involved with social justice and have been able to success, successfully um, address injustices. And then uh, next they would look at themselves and um, what passions they have, what skill sets they have. And um, then we would go into business planning. So once you've identified, once you have the understanding of that connection between social enterprises and occupational justice and what your passions are, your skills, your strengths, your challenges, then you can move into the business planning piece. And the goal is at the end is that you're able to actually implement what you've done. So we, I don't want it to be where you, you learn all of this information and then it's, you just leave it there, but you actually take what you've learned and you implement it to create your social enterprise. And we'll also have some, uh, some coaching involved in that. Thank you so much. Now, you're creating this, you're you know, a doctoral student in the post-professional OTD program, you're running a business, you do teaching as well. Um, you mentor people um, in entrepreneurship um, as well. And you're very active in a Facebook site um, related to entrepreneurship. Can you tell us a little bit about that and uh, approximately how many members are there? And maybe what are some of the topics people are talking about? Yeah, so I'm very active on social media. I spend a lot of time on uh, LinkedIn, where that's where I meet a lot of um, other professionals that I'm also able to consult with organizations about OT on LinkedIn. And then I'm in uh, Occupational Therapy Entrepreneurs Group, uh, Laura. I don't know if she listens to this, but Laura has done amazing with the group. There's 8,000, um, over 8,000 members in the group. Uh, and then Entrepreneurship for OT, where there's um over 2000 members, I think in that group, you know, OTs are talking about how do they start? They wanna know um, how do they incorporate? What type of medical record system should they use? Um, how much should they charge? What types of settings could they go into? Who's done what they want to do? Do you think this is a good business idea? That, I don't know how many posts they get a day, but it's a very active um, group and, <clears throat> It's, it's what OTs want. I don't know if um, the audience has listened to, have looked at the 2018 or 19 workforce survey, the latest AOTA workforce survey. So they asked the students what areas um, that they're interested in going to, and they include um, private practice or entrepreneurship, uh, research, and academia. And there's more for, for the second time that they've done this survey in a row there's more students interested in entrepreneurship, uh, private practice, being self-employed. But on the flip side of that, ironically, there has been a decline in the number of OTs that are actually going into <laughs> to that space. So I don't know if the next survey will show an increase, but uh, the past two, uh, from, 2010 to, from 2010 to 2015, there was an 11% decline. And then that stayed the same for this next survey. Um, what I was hoping to see it go up, especially since both 
of those past two surveys have showed that students are very interested in entrepreneurship, which is why I think they're like, okay, if, if we don't know how to do it, we'll, we'll figure it out by teaching each other. And we have these, these Facebook groups. So I'm go, so glad that BU, um, Duke, and some other universities have made entrepreneurship a priority because I know you teach a business class, but I think it's not consistent across universities. So some students are getting um, education and entrepreneurship and business skill set, and then others are, are not. Yes, and that's something that you're investigating um, with your doctoral project, reaching out to other um, programs to find out what exactly is being taught, because in the occupational therapy academic world, uh, there is a, a standard to teach something related to business, um, but maybe the terminology is being used um, that's maybe not necessarily consistent with the word entrepreneurship. And um, thank you for that shout out. Uh, we've been teaching uh, in a course that I teach professional service management about um, entrepreneurship, marketing, and creating a business plan, which um, I think even though we're looking at entry level education, it's important to plant the seed about entrepreneurship and many of the skills required to do a business plan, I believe are life skills as well. What are your thoughts on that? You know, learning how to do a budget or, you know, promoting yourself. I agree. Financial literacy. Like if you don't have financial literacy personally, um, it's difficult to, to manage oneself. And so, yeah, so one of the skills that we look at as OTs, it's an instrumental activity of daily living when we look at money management. Interestingly, we, I had a conversation with um, some students in a, at a student OT association and they were asking me about money and you know how you, how you ensure that you make money and how you ensure that you're not greedy. And, you know, I said, you know, you have to have financial literacy. You have to have financial literacy as a person as well as a business. And, you know, some people have that growing up and others don't. And if you don't, you have to be committed to, to learning. So you can make a lot of money and still not have money because you, you don't have financial literacy and good money management skills. So yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's really important. And that's something you're a guest lecturer in um, the class that I teach uh, this semester in the, in the spring. And that's something that, that you teach. You know, um, we um, have a little bit more time and I'm wondering if we can transition to another topic because you're also passionate about something else in occupational therapy and have been a real spokesperson uh, in that area. Can you share that as well? Yeah, so I have, um, I do have a role right now uh, at Duke working with bringing in more underrepresented students from um, different backgrounds into the OT profession. So referencing that workforce survey again, there's been a decline in the number of underrepresented students, uh, particularly black students in the OT or black professionals in the OT profession. Um, and as a black female in the OT profession for the past 20 years and having certain experiences, it's been very important for me to increase representation, um, not just at Duke, but in the profession as a whole, to uh, mentor other therapists, to um, showcase the therapists on, podcast, on the podcast, 
to um, educate different groups that are not represented about what occupational therapy is. Um, and then also to talk about how diverse diversity is. <laughs> so we were talking before the show about you know, socioeconomic status and how that impacts um, a person's professional identity, uh, gender identity. There are so many different forms of diversity that need to be taken into account that I think since the murder of George Floyd has now come more to the table. You know, we're talking more about race. We're also talking about other forms of diversity. And we're hearing stories that I think were taboo for, for much longer than they should have been. So I'm very grateful that I, you know, through my lived experience, I'm able to, to share and help lead uh, in that space. And um, your podcast is one way of getting um, some of the narratives out there as well. Perhaps you could share a little bit about um, some of the topics that are discussed too, that tie all of this in some ways together, entrepreneurship um, as well. Yeah, so typically I, I bring on someone and ask them to tell me how they got started in OT, how they heard about OT, what some of the challenges they may have had as a person from an underrepresented group and what advice they have for others, as well as what their future goals are and how we might be able to support them. And the stories are, they're really impactful. Um, this month is Black History Month and Low Vision Awareness Month. It's February right now of uh, 2021. And I had two guests. I had an African-American female who um, has been in OT for years. And she tells this, in this story, which brought tears to my eyes about how she couldn't be hired as a black OT when she moved to North Carolina and or no one would hire her. And so she built a business. And then later the Klan um, burned her business down. And so this is a story that I don't know that you know, the people that know her have ever heard. She was a representative for a WFOT for years. And um, she's been through a lot, but she chose love over hate. And so just, if you listen to the, that podcast, it's amazing how she says, you know, other people from different backgrounds, white, black, people from all different backgrounds helped her to rebuild after she had that traumatic experience. Um, and then the second podcast this month was with um, Omar, who is a um, Indian American uh, male who, you know, has had different experiences being, I, I think he said he didn't know any other Indian American Muslim males who were OTs. And um, we just talked about shared lived experiences and how he's an advocate for anti-racism and DEI efforts um, in occupational therapy. Thank you so much. And I want to thank you for all that you're doing for the profession. Um, and I love how your career unfolds in so many important directions. So Tomiko, thank you um, for being a guest on Health Matters. Thank you for having me.